This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. It is hard to believe that we uh, once again are in another summer here where the Houston Rockets are the talk of the town pretty much or talk of certainly of the NBA world, quite possibly the second most popular team right now next to the Los Angeles Lakers. And yet the Rockets don't have a, a single draft pick in the NBA draft. They don't really have a bunch of trade assets um, and they are pretty much creating all kinds of buzz. I am here with my good friend David Weiner, you know him online on Twitter on the board as Bema Thug. He is a lawyer here in Houston, um, pretty much a resident capologist and the host of probably the best NBA draft party in the city of Houston, which is coming up here in a couple of days. Uh, David, thanks for doing this. Um, my pleasure as always, Dave. And uh, I don't know Tillman Fertitta may be giving me a run for my money this year. <laughs> we'll see about that. You know, this is um, this is insanity. I mean, the, you know, the fans are obviously upset the way the season ended, but you've got all kinds of narrative stories flying everywhere. You've got Tillman Fertitta, the cheap owner, according to, to, to some. You've got uh, Mike D'Antoni unable to come up with an extension. Um, you know, the Rockets have no picks and they're and they're talking about trying to, uh, you know, make a splash or, or go after big names. But the biggest story right now uh, here that everyone's discussing, and that's this, these stories coming out about Chris Paul wanting out of Houston, that he and Harden are not getting along. And a report just came out on Tuesday uh, by Yahoo Sports, Vincent Goodwill, um, that basically took it up. 10 notches and said that, uh, you know, the, the, rep, the excuse me, the uh, relationship between the two is unsalvageable, that um, they don't talk and they've been going they, for two months. They don't talk together and that they don't, they, they period, they don't want to play together. And Chris Paul has demanded a trade. Chris Paul quickly came out and said it was news to him. And Daryl Morey came out and said that this was false and that no, nobody from Chris Paul's camp has demanded a trade. What was your reaction when you saw this uh, whole thing unfold on Tuesday? I mean, in real time, as I was reading the story, it, I, my shock quickly turned to, um, I think, uh, in, in incredulity or whatever the right word, incredulousness uh, at, at the story. I, look, is everything hunky-dory and is everyone getting along great uh, in you know, inside the Rockets organization, my guess would be not really. Um, but is the dysfunction to the level that was in the, the Goodwill article, I strongly doubt it. And I think Chris Paul and Daryl Morey have already refuted that. Uh, I, I saw Zach Lowe tweet this evening that was uh, that was pretty funny uh, that Daryl told him to go ahead and, and tweet it twice that that, uh, that is absolutely false. So. I take all the negativity with a grain of salt, but I, I think that story probably got a lot of facts wrong and just took a little bit of dysfunction that there is and just blew it way out of proportion. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously there is some smoke to some of this. I mean, there's, you know, been talk about maybe they, you know, they had some disagreements on, on the court and about how, you know, philosophy and how things are being played or, um, I, to me, Goodwill kind of came out and just detailed this, forest fire and it just it just didn't seem right when i was reading it i you know some of it i thought geez is this true how did i miss some of this um but it just didn't seem all the way right and some some fans have pointed out things like hey you know the rockets just let a bunch of assistant coaches go and i'm not throwing them under the bus as, as being the leaks 
But there are some people who, you know, see some things and don't necessarily have ties to the Rockets organization and could have could have leaked that kind of stuff or that kind of information. But, you know, to me, uh, and right now, Chris Paul and James Harden should be connected at the hip. I mean, I think they both need each other. I know Paul had a, a poor, you know, I, I should say a declining season last year. Um, but they need each other. I mean, I, I don't think Harden can afford having this uh, huge disagreement with another star player alongside him. I think that that would stick with him. I think Chris Paul just signed a huge contract. He has to recognize as well that that's, uh, you know, the Rockets willingly overpaid him, uh, and it wouldn't be an easy contract to move. Um, to me, I, you know, this all started with that that Woj report earlier. I think it was late May about the Rockets shopping everybody, you know, and, and just putting everybody out in the market and even put Harden out there, saying it's extremely unlikely, but that everybody could be dealt. And I think that probably created some of these, uh, you know, stories. I mean, some of this stuff, like I said, I think there's some truth to some of it, but I just don't see it to this magnitude. I can't see Chris Paul demanding a trade um, given the unique situation that, that these two players are in. I agree. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I don't know where they would even be able to send him if he did want to be traded. His contract is, is so huge that uh, there would be very limited suitors. I mean, maybe a team desperate enough for, for a star, like if the you know a team like the Lakers before the Davis trade or the Knicks that can't get anybody might be desperate enough to take on Paul's contract. Um, but I, I think the Rockets and Chris Paul are, are – they're married to each other uh, for better or worse. And, and, and quite frankly, I, I don't have a big problem with that. You know, for his, for his you know, declining a season as he had, you know, to use your word, you know, I think uh, in real plus minus, he was like the third best point guard in the league last year behind Curry and Lillard. So even – even in his decline, he's still at least statistically one of the best point guards in the league. So, you know, if that, if that's his decline, then so be it. I, I also think that his usage was was way lower this year, just given the MVP season that Harden was having and just the insane usage rate that Harden had last year. I think there was a workload that Chris Paul maybe could have taken on at, at points during the year. I know he was injured that would have kind of stuffed his stats a little better, made his season look a little better. Um, so, you know, if we're trying to have a glass half full look at this, I think Chris Paul is probably a better player than his numbers indicated last year. And hopefully he can have like a, a, a better year injury-wise that maybe a, sort of a bounce-back year, but understanding, yes, he, he is in the declining part of his career. But another thing to think about is that this was not the first year of a four-year deal. Anyone would be naive to think that is this is not, in fact, the completion of two years into what is a total five-year deal, the first year of which was when he took a huge pay cut to opt into his Clippers deal to get traded to the Rockets. We all know there was a wink-wink deal to give him a four-year max deal before they even traded for him. So to think, why did they sign him to that contract, you know, last summer it's because that was an agreement before i obviously i have no inside knowledge of this the rockets would never admit it to anybody but come on we'd be kidding ourselves otherwise right no i I think that 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 goes without saying he would not have uh you know passed up on free agency that year if he didn't have you know the knowledge that he was going to get that that's why he you know the bird rights were important to him to to get traded and that's why he opted in and uh you, you know i'm uh i'm with you on this I really am. I I didn't expect to see it in the first year. Uh, I mean, well, let's call it the second year, whatever you want to call it, a five-year or first year or a four-year, uh, to see that kind of a of a drop. But I don't I don't look at Chris Paul as like this negative player. I, I don't understand even some of the people who are saying that you've got to get rid of Paul. Yeah, he's overpaid. Absolutely, you can't overlook that. He's overpaid, but he is a significant contributor to this team. I mean, to be able to have a guy like this running your team when Harden's off the floor, it's such a valuable asset. I mean, I, I actually believe he's going to, to see an increase in his percentages next year. Um, I do think the eye test, people saying, hey, he's not able to quite blow past guys as, as well as he did in the past, 
that is concerning, but I think um, his per- his shooting percentages should go up. I think you're going to see some some slight tweaks, maybe some changes to the offense uh, that will maximize his skill set, perhaps even a little bit more. I'm just not as worried about Chris Paul as other people are. I understand if you were able to move him and somebody just literally absorbed his contract, which would be, as you pointed out, extremely difficult to find. You know, you could shop the market or, or, or look for something different if you're also able to move some other guys. But I, I, I just feel like he's going to be fine. I, it may not be the case after this next season or beyond, but I don't think you're going to just see this continuous dis- decline uh, as you saw this this past year. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. But right now I think um, that's what everybody's concerned about. I mean, if Harden and Paul are, are at each other's throats, then uh, the Rockets have an issue. I just I, I didn't trust it when I read it the way that Goodwill outlined it. I think he's getting hammered, obviously, because both Daryl and Chris Paul have kind of come out and refuted this. You know, right now it looks like this is not entirely true as he illustrated it. I mean, that 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 seems to be (laughs) that seems to be an accurate statement, and and, uh, we'll we'll find out. uh, You know, I wonder if it'll come to light whether he got a bad source or whether this is you know uh, some. not so great journalism, but uh, yeah, I, it looks like he just got his facts wrong. And you know, look, there's going to be arguing and bickering between Harden and Paul. There, you know, I know it's been the company line, like Tillman and Fertitta and Daryl Morey and Tad Brown have all said, look, they're competitors. That's how I get. But they're they're right. That you know, if you're a fiery competitor, you're going to yell at your teammates from time to time. And we know Chris Paul is notorious for. Yeah yelling at his teammates. Exactly. Uh, and James Harden is probably not, you know, he's the caliber player that's probably not going to take too much of that abuse. Um, and, you know, who, who do we all fight with more than everyone? We fight with our siblings and our best friends. That doesn't mean you hate them and never want to see them. Those are the people you usually fight with the most. So I, I definitely think there's an element of, you know, just fighting siblings or uh, here that, you know, it's it's par for the course rather than something that we should all be panicking over. Yeah, and I should say, I I did not, I mean, it, it would have completely pulled the wool over my eyes to say that they didn't talk for two months or anything like that. I mean, that, you know, that, uh, I didn't see that in, in any locker room exchange. I mean, I, you can even go back and, and, yeah, people could say they could they were faking this or something. But, I mean, there was that playful exchange, I think, in the Utah series where, uh, you know, uh, Chris Paul joked that Rudy Gobert, you know, rejected um, uh, Harden's shot, and Harden kind of laughed about it and said, "Yeah, he did pretty much get me on that one." I mean, to, to me, the, I didn't see any real friction. It was pointed out that uh, I can't remember which article it was, you know, that that um, Chris Paul had left that one press conference when people were asking just Harden. But I mean, if you looked at that situation, that press conference, somebody had asked a question of both Harden and Paul. Harden answered, and another reporter just jumped in to ask another question, so they didn't wait for Paul to to, answer, to get a chance to answer his point. Um, and that uh, reporter that was following up with a question asked another question of Harden. So Chris Paul, you know, he had his ego hurt. He's just kind of like, well, you know, damn, nobody even wants to listen to me, so I'm out of here. It wasn't anything directed at Harden, uh, and somehow that got linked uh, recently into there being a beef between the two, and that's just not. That that wasn't the case because I was there. Um, so and quite frankly, like even if there is a beef, guess what? Teams win championships when their best players are beefing. You think Kobe and Shaq liked each other while they were winning three championships? <laughs> right. You think Jordan? Do you think Michael Jordan got along with all of his teammates? I bet a lot of them hated him, just like a lot of Chris Paul's teammates hated uh, the type of abuse that he spews at his teammates. But guess what? Those guys still won. And the Rockets obviously are hoping to get to the level that Jordan and Shaq and Kobe have gotten to. But I don't think the fact that there's there's occasional arguments and uh, clashes of egos and things like that, I don't think that's keeping this team from possibly winning a championship. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're going to get back to the Rockets here in a minute. There's a lot to talk about, like I said, with the Rockets. But obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. Um you and I may have different opinions. I don't know on this. I, we haven't even talked about it uh, yet. But um, I'll just say, you know, when I heard 
that the the Pelicans traded Anthony Davis to the Lakers, I was I just shook my head like you know that sucks because I kind of bought into the the idea you know that the the Pelicans owner I believe had said at one point that he would not trade him to the Lakers that he was offended or something along those lines. I bought into that that he wasn't going to actually make that trade. But when the details of this deal came out, I mean, I was smiling. I really legitimately was uh, grinning. I think the Lakers are obviously going to be very, you know, very much improved this year, but they better hit every single thing right in the next year or two um, for this to really work out for them because I think this could backfire. Uh, similar, uh, it's not, it's not identical to Boston, Brooklyn. Um, but because Anthony Davis is 26 years old and he's going to sign long-term, this is not, uh, you know, uh, uh, end of career, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. It's, it's a different situation, but, uh, to me, they gave up a lot to get Anthony Davis. Yep. Look, David Griffin is one hell of a general manager and he, uh, you can never say you fleeced another team when the other team gets one of the five best players on the planet. Um, but given that Davis wanted the Lakers and only the Lakers and he was leaving anyway in a year, if I'm a New Orleans Pelicans fan, I have to be ecstatic with the haul they got. I mean, uh, Ingram and Ball, you know, the, some of the shines come off of them uh, since being drafted, but they both are high upside young players that, you know, change of scenery, they could end up being really, really good. Uh, Hart is a solid bench player. And then all the picks they have. Look, the Lakers, like you said, they have to hit everything. If they do, those, none of those picks is going to be particularly great. But there's so little protection on those picks, and they go out so far beyond uh, even the outskirts of LeBron's prime uh, to to a point where it, it's hard to imagine a scenario in which at least one of those picks isn't really good. Uh, and, and those picks also can be flipped in future trades. It makes the Pelicans now not a lot of free agents want to go sign in New Orleans. I don't think their facilities are up to snuff with some of the other franchises. So I, I think that it's hard for them to attract free agents. All these picks are going to help them be players in the trade market for the next six or seven years. So between that, obviously, they're getting Zion in the draft. The Pelicans are set up very nicely. And like you said, meanwhile, from the Lakers' side, they are devoid of assets now. It's so funny, actually, because of the structure of some of the picks, including the last pick can be deferred another year by the Pelicans if they want to. The Lakers find themselves in a situation where they literally cannot trade another future first-round pick for a year because they've traded every pick they can possibly trade <laughs> as far into the future as they can trade it in 2019. It, it blows my mind. You know, I, I, yeah, I, you mentioned David Griffin, and yes, he, I think he cleaned their clock. Granted, yes, uh, AD is a phenomenal player in the prime of his career, a phenomenal player. I get it. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say that they – the, the Lakers completely lost the trade. He could have a major impact. They could win titles, and, and I, I get all that. But to me, I, I just can't believe the Lakers did this because I feel like they were they were bidding against themselves. I mean, I, who else is offering that much? Because only the Lakers had that, you know, maybe the Knicks, but but had that sort of assurance that he'd be there um, beyond this next year. I think they I mean, I think it's a safe bet because given that he wanted to be there, he's going to sign long term. I think, honestly, that Griffin took advantage of a perfect storm situation where the Lakers were just spooked. I mean, Paul George was a lock to go to the Lakers, right? I mean, everyone's talking about him going to the Lakers. He gets traded in a rental situation. They win him over. Kawhi, they had Kawhi. He wants to go to the, you know, he wants to go to L.A. They didn't pay up the price uh, to the, the Spurs. They were stingy on, on all the assets they were going to give up. Weren't able to pull off a deal. Um I think that they just said, we can't swing and miss again here. You know, somebody else, who knows, Rockets, who, who any other team could, uh, you know, make a, a deal for AD and, um, and who knows, woo him in 12 months and they strike out again. There's another year of LeBron's prime lost. 
Um, I feel for the, I don't feel for him in a way like I feel bad for him, but like LeBron is not exactly a guy who leaves um, franchises in great situations after he leaves. Uh, you know, granted, when he's there, he he gives them all he's got um, and puts them up in the uh, in contender status, but. When he's done with the Lakers, I think they're going to be in a bad spot. Granted, AD is going to be running there, I would think, for a while, but um, they gave up a ton of assets in this in this move. They, like you said, they've got nothing left um, as far as future assets, and they're going to have to pretty much hit. They're going to have to hit on free agency here. They're going to have to hit on every MLE, second round picks, whatever they pick up. Um, they're going to have to get some some significant hits uh, to get pieces around those guys. And they have a great start. I I, I disagree with people saying that they're the um, favorites to win it all because I think LeBron's going to start to decline as well. People need to realize LeBron is older than Chris Paul and has I think he played fewer games than Chris Paul last year. I'd have to go I'd have to look that up. But um, you know he didn't make the playoffs last year either. Neither did AD. I I, I just don't see LeBron having this three-year dominant run again. I think it's he's going to start to see a decline. Um, but they have a great foundation. You know, for the next year or two, they, they I can see role players coming to play there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it will be, they are going to be a competitor with the Rockets and the Warriors for the the veteran, the ring-chasing vets that are going to take, a you know, the, the, the minimum to, to get a, a good rotation spot on a title contender. So, uh, it does suck for the Rockets in that respect that you have one other team that that uh, may even be better positioned to offer you know, some Batman guys uh, substantial playing time on a contender. But like you said, this summer is so critical. The next three weeks are so critical to the Lakers because they, they have this one last chunk of cap room that's going to go away very quickly. They need to hit whether it's on a, one more max guy or near max guy, or if they split it up and get two quality starter type guys. This is their last chance, and then after that, it's like the Rockets are now—you know, taxpayer mid-level exception in future years and vet minimum guys, you know, for the next few years. So uh, they, they, yeah, like you said, they better hit now because if they. They can't push it one more year like they've done the last couple of years. They need to hit now or they're going to be in a bad position over the next few years. You mentioned the Warriors. I've never seen anything like that. The final two games of the year, two of the biggest free agents go down in the final two games of the year. I mean, talk about major ramifications for the entire league. I mean, I feel like if the Warriors had won game six and game seven happened, you know, Curry's right arm would have fallen off. Something, I mean, they just broke down in a way um, that you really haven't seen uh, from them. They've been incredibly healthy during their entire run. Um, and, yeah, it's going to have an impact on them next year. I don't want to completely overlook them, but, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, they're gonna. Ha- there's there's a lot of pressure on them to play extremely well for much of the year, hoping they get some of those guys back uh, to make some kind of a run. But um, I could see a lot of people overlooking them uh, next year because of these injuries. I have to ask you about uh, Mike D'Antoni. This has um, been a, an issue this uh, this summer as well already, where you know he's was seeking a one year extension. The Rockets negotiated it and. It came down to basically the Rockets offered a one-year deal that had a $2.5 million buyout, uh, and there was some uh, dispute, you know, two, two different sides of this to this story, I guess. Uh, Dan Tony's agent told one uh, version of events, and the Rockets told a different one. Um, basically, what I took away from it was that the Rockets weren't 100% sure that, you know, in a year – this is the exact direction they're going to go. I mean, changes may have to be made if they have a decline year or something along those lines that maybe they do have to move Paul or try to move Paul or something along those lines. Um, and in which case, do they go a completely different direction with the coaching as well? Uh, I thought that was the reason that they did that. I, other people took it to be Tillman Fertitta is a cheap owner and he wasn't paying, um, you know, Mike D'Antoni what he was worth. Um, you know, maybe... A, I, I will give you this. I think maybe for a guy like Mike D'Antoni's stature, it shouldn't be incentive-driven. Uh, it shouldn't be, you know, you get X amount if you, you know, make it past a certain round of the playoffs. I think he's got a good enough track record 
especially here in Houston, to um, not have that be part of it. But I wasn't I wasn't offended by the $2.5 million buyout, especially when the details of it came out. I mean, they they'd have, would have had to let him go before that year, and in which case it's just here's $2.5 million, you know, and, and you're not coaching this next year, and that's that's it. It wasn't if he didn't finish, you know, if he was fired midseason, he only got $2.5 million. That wasn't the case. So I didn't put any stock in that. All I really care about this summer is the Rockets improving the roster. Um, I don't have any problem if D'Antoni goes into a lame duck status. I understand it creates a problem hiring assistant coaches, um, but I don't have a problem with it. I don't think it will be the case. I think that they will get this extension done. Um, but I, it just doesn't it doesn't uh, bother me. I'm just focused on how this team can improve this summer. And if they make the necessary improvements, then, yeah, coaching is uh, a secondary issue they can look at afterwards. I, I mostly agree with that sentiment, although and look, this is a player's league, and if you're going after free agents, they're most likely coming to play with James Harden and Chris Paul uh, and to a lesser extent to play for Mike D'Antoni for at least one year. They're not necessarily coming because of who the assistant coaches are, but I would imagine for some free agents that is at least some consideration. And I, let's just say I'm a little uncomfortable with the position the Rockets have been in. I, I think ideally they would have gotten uh, a, a D'Antoni extension done at least two, three weeks ago uh, and been able to start hiring assistant coaches. I think especially in a highly competitive free agent landscape when teams are probably clawing at each other and bad-mouthing each other to free agents to try to get them to sign with you know, a particular team, it's a, it, it's a, it makes the Rockets an easy punching bag as if these other news stories that are coming out doesn't do this enough to say that our coaching situation is completely in flux and we don't even have any assistant coaches. And, and I mean, I have to think all else considered, that makes the Rockets look pretty bad. Um, I'm not too worried about it, but I'm at least a little bit worried about it. Okay. I, uh, the draft this is our time of year, right? We love this. This is uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to to uh, watching the draft uh, at your place. And I got to ask you, who do you think the Rockets take in the first round, and who do you have them taking in the second round? Okay, so in the first round, they're going to take luxury tax savings. <laughs> okay. And in the second round, they're going to take a 2015 second round playoff series win over the Clippers because they traded that pick for Pablo Prigioni. And I will do that trade a million times out of a million. That sounds like the best player available to me. I, you know, I, I guess it's just I, I get it. I get why they did all this. I, I, I understand. It just kills me because this is the funnest time of year. I, 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 I've said this before. I still feel like it's the it's the one area of the NBA where analytics could could go even further because. When you're able to get a guy like Draymond Green in the second round, or you're able to pick up Kawhi Leonard, you know, granted he slid at 14 or 15, or you know, um, Giannis, uh, you know, sliding to to uh, middle of the uh, the draft or the first round. I mean, when else can you do something like that? You cannot get those kind of caliber players anywhere else. And so, if you're truly able to find new analytics or new uh, details or information or scouting or what have you and and analyze this draft and that's when you can get bargains um you may have to put a little uh, uh you know work into developing some of those guys but I, there's just you know because these guys are unproven you're able to get gems that maybe other people don't see or recognize um and get them at a at a bargain rate so I guess I'm disappointed. You know, I, I did hear, um, and you can take this to the bank, that it's pretty unlikely they're going to get a first-round pick, and if they do, it's to flip in another trade. It's because this team's looking um, uh, for pieces now. They're looking to add established rotation uh, players. They're not grooming uh, young guys. Now, granted, they would probably love to get a second-round pick or something to have, uh, you know, to put into the pipeline along the lines of Hartenstein or – you know, like in the past, Joe Chi, see who pans out and, um, um, you know, some, some maybe they can get a gem in the second round if they're able to acquire a pick. But 
if they get a first round pick, it's probably going to be to flip in a, immediately in another trade to acquire, um, uh, you know, somebody else or, or move a player uh, because they're looking for established players. So I'm just disappointed they're not in this draft. Um, I like some of the guys in it. I mean, I love DeAndre Hunter. We've talked about that before, but I love this guy from Virginia. He's probably going to go somewhere between four and seven. Um, and, you know, there's it's extremely unlikely Rockets would even be able to get up there. And, and knowing what I know, they're not going to go up there just to get a guy, uh, a rookie, I should say. Um, but, you know, that's just it. I, that, that's the only thing I want to say. I'm disappointed they're not in this draft. I wish they could acquire some talent and not be afraid to, to play a rookie. Or, um, But they're looking to bolster this team in other ways. Now, now one thing I will say, and you know, I've been pretty negative uh, over the last couple months about the Rockets' ability to trade into the second round. Uh, in the past, the Rockets have, you know, have a long history of buying second-round picks. Last year, they bought the 52nd pick to, to take Vincent Edwards. Um, so th- there's definitely a track record there. Um, kind of both sides of the coin are uh, on the negative side. Because of all the salary dumping trades that the Rockets did over the course of the season, uh, where they have to throw cash into those trades to, to offset salaries, they only have about $565,000 left in this season's cash allotment to use to buy a pick. And to put that in perspective, the 52nd pick last year cost them $1.5 million. So this year's cash allotment is probably not enough to get even a late second-round pick. Now, it's possible they could try to package that that cash with maybe you know one of their smaller contracts or uh, or a future second round pick. Although I prefer them to hold on to their future second round picks. Another option, and other teams have done this as well in years past. The Rockets will have on July one their their annual cash allotment will reset to about five and a half million dollars. They can agree to a trade to buy a second round pick on Thursday with the understanding it won't be consummated until after the July moratorium and they would then buy the pick with next year's cash. See, this is exactly, you always come up with stuff like this and I'm like, yeah, why didn't I think of that? This is why you have the mind for this, David. I tell you, I I, I completely forgot about that. I I had seen your tweet in the past about the 500,000. I knew that's what they had left. Um, And so I wasn't thinking about you know the, this the same thing you just mentioned. I wasn't thinking about that, so that's a great point. Yeah, that, the, the only downside of that is it's to the extent they want to keep their powder dry to use the cash in other trades, or if they're able to pull off a a really major trade and they need to entice the other team, you might want to have as much cash as possible. But you know, if you find a guy, if, you know, every every team's draft board's different. And there may be a guy, you know, like last year, Anthony Melton, I, I have to believe the Rockets had him in their first round on their draft board, and they got him at 46. If there's a, if there's someone in the mid-second mid, uh, round that they had in the first round on their own draft board, maybe they pull the trigger. If everyone's kind of, you know, around the same and there's a, or there's a large pool of players that might get, go undrafted that they have pretty high, then maybe they just wait. But, I mean, look last year. I know he's not a world beater or anything, but Gary Clark looks like a decent young player. And he clearly, at at the moment the draft ended, he was one of the best undrafted players. I think most draft experts would agree he was one of the best undrafted players. I completely expect the Rockets to do something similar immediately after the draft this year to get another Gary Clark type, one of the top undrafted guys. So uh, even if they don't have a pick, I expect them to come away from Thursday night, maybe very, very, very late Thursday night, with a player. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure you're right. Uh, some, you know, they're going to be certainly aggressive in the undrafted free agent um, market as far as adding, uh, you know, guys who they think are second round talents and and go afterwards. Uh, you know, I, I like Bol Bol. Um, I I would love if they were able to somehow get into the first round to acquire him. But again, I don't think anything like that's going to end up happening. Um, but, you know, the draft, we'll see lots of movement. Uh, I think we always see, you know, trades. And in a couple of years ago, we saw the Jimmy Butler trade. I mean, there's always big trades that happen on draft night. Um, so that will be interesting to look for. 
But that's what I mean. That's the big thing that the Rockets are looking at this year to improve trades and free agency. Yet they don't have a lot of trade assets, and they don't have any free agent money outside, of course, their taxpayer MLE money. I mean, as far as anything significant. Um, how do you see this unfolding? And, you know, and let me let me say leading into that, Daryl Morey has uh, you know made the rounds recently on on radio stations, on on t- uh, TV programs, talked about the rocket situation, um, and has mentioned a couple of times uh, referring to a top free agent, uh, superstar free agent that the Rockets are um, going after, and that they hope cho- uh, that the Rockets hope uh, this player chooses them. And, you know, I don't know this for certain. I'm, you know, but I'm just reading some of the tea leaves, and that's like a little over 90% that this is probably Jimmy Butler um, with Philly. That's the big thing that they could maybe hope for. It's a long, long shot. Um, But beyond that, what are the plays? I mean, what can we see the Rockets team do? We we feel they're going to trade Clint Capella or that they will shop Clint Capella. Um, and Eric Gordon's a possibility of being moved. Beyond that, it's hard to see much else happening uh, with the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I think if we're reading the tea leaves, that a Jimmy Butler tra- uh, trade would be the most likely massive deal that the Rockets could feasibly make. And in that, I think they would be hoping for a similar type of move to the one they did two years ago with Chris Paul, where it wasn't a free agent signing, it wasn't a sign-in trade, it was an opt-in and trade, where the player opted into a uh, lower-salaried player option year in order to facilitate a trade um, and without hard-capping the Rockets, which a sign-in trade would have. Uh, in, in Butler's instance, his player option is for less than 20 million. Compare that with about 32, 33 million he could get uh, with a max deal in free agency. Uh, that would be a significant uh, kind of financial pay cut for for Butler to take. But if he were to convince the Sixers he wants to go to Houston and he's walking, he's not coming back to Philly. I would think that a package centered on Eric Gordon would at least entice the Sixers. I think Gordon, especially if JJ Redick leaves, right? If Redick leaves, I could definitely see that. Exactly, and and, and even even if Redick stays, although I don't know why they would have both of them, Gordon gives you both the shooting, the driving ability, and the defense that Redick absolutely can't give you anymore. Um, I actually think. Gordon is the perfect uh, kind of fourth or fifth guy for the Sixers. Um, but but obviously, the Sixers would hold the cards and the Rockets would need to put together a package. But something like Eric Gordon and Nay in a first-round pick, it, would that be enough to get Philadelphia to play ball? Um, if so, you know, and if Butler's willing to kind of do a similar type of deal that Chris Paul did where, you know, I'm – I'll be absolutely shocked when on July 1st of 2020, we find out that Jimmy Butler and the Rockets have agreed to a long-term match contract. Um, well, let me, let me, there, I think that's it. Let me jump in there on the, along those lines. And, and can you break down for us why? So obviously, if, if, if they did a sign-in trade, the Rockets are hard-capped. We know that. But why uh, is that? I don't want to say impossible, or maybe it is impossible. Why is that so difficult for the Rockets this year? Because, like you said, there is a difference. I, if I'm not mistaken, Chris Paul's, the difference in his salary wasn't as great uh, when he opted in, whereas uh, Butler, um, you know, he's, he's expected to take a $13 million or so less pay cut in the first year. And I know you've outlined how the overall package deal is similar with taxes and everything when he gets his uh, extension with the Rockets. But why is a sign-and-trade um, not work for the Rockets as far as based on the salaries they have and the hard cap line that they would have to be under? Sure. So, oh, just to set the record straight, it's not quite as much, but, but Chris Paul did leave. He, he took an $11 million pay cut. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. My, my, ago, memory, so my memory it was, off, it was a pretty substantial pay cut. He, Chris Paul did the Rockets a huge favor, so this, this 
the max deal he's on now was the return for that. So okay, thank um, you. But yeah, <laughs> the signing trade. The, the problem with the signing trade is it, it, there, there's three things you can do that will impose a hard cap. It is use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, use the biannual exception, or take in a sign and traded player. If you do any of these, you are subject to a hard cap at what's called the apron level, which is about six or seven million dollars above the luxury tax threshold. And it is a hard cap. It isn't the you know the, this league has a soft cap that, that you know almost every team goes over. This is an absolute hard cap. You have to factor back in every type of disregarded salary and. Uh, if you go up against this hard cap, you have, the league will make you trade players to get below. Uh, you can't even sign minimum guys to go over. It, it is a brutally hard cap. The Rockets were able to successfully operate under a hard cap two years ago when they uh, when they used the non-taxpayer mid-level exception on PJ Tucker, but th- but they were so their team salary was so much less two years ago than it is it's going to be this summer that uh, it's not really an apples-to-apples comparison. So with all their salary commitments, most notably to Chris Paul, Harden, Capella, and Gordon, um, they're already over the luxury tax. So uh, if you want to start adding in all the other players that are going to need to fill out the roster, if you start factoring in a mid-level exception addition, if you factor in a Jimmy Butler type trade where you're trading, you're taking in more salary than you're trading out. You're going to be right up against that hard cap very quickly. And then say goodbye to, you know, minimum signings or playing the buyout market, things like that. The Rockets are going to lose a lot of flexibility and it's questionable that they could even take full advantage of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. Uh, I don't think they'd even have any room to use the biannual exception. just my personal opinion, of course, this could all be thrown out the window if the Rockets make some huge trade where they trade out way more salary than they take back in. But I think odds are they're not going to do a, a sign-in trade um, because they're just going to lose so much flexibility. Okay. Um, so obviously that's the what we expect to be the big thing that they're at least you know pursuing. It's, I, I, again, I believe it's a long shot, but they're hopeful – uh, you know, maybe something could could work out there, and uh, you know, everyone's a buzz right now because he posted on Instagram him driving down I-45 with a "Be Someone" sign, uh, you know, uh, overpass. Um, but he's from here. He's from Tomball. This, you know, he comes to Houston uh, regularly, um, and so that's not exactly abnormal. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. Outside of that, you know. It's funny because I've looked at a lot of Clint Capella trades in my mind, and a lot of them have been centered around the draft, David. Like, so I look at like teams like Atlanta holding picks 8, 10, and I believe 17, um, and Boston's got three first-round picks. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we originally looked at the Pelicans, you know, with, at four, and uh, when they picked up four after the Anthony Davis trade – it's hard to see some of this stuff now, you know, given what we know that the Rockets really aren't looking for picks in this draft um, for themselves. So it's hard to envision right now a Capella trade. Um, you know, again, the one that was coming to my mind was eight or 10 from Atlanta and Baysmore for maybe Nene and Capella. Again, this is pure uh, speculation fantasy stuff in my mind. Um you know, or Boston. I mean, Boston right now is in flux. It looks like Al Horford potentially could be leaving. Kyrie Irving is almost assuredly leaving. Um, so, you know, they might be interested in him. But it looks like they're looking for players. And you know, or if it's involving picks, it's it's a three-way type of deal. So, is there anybody out there? Just again, this is we're dancing in speculationville. But is there anyone out there that you think makes sense um, for a Gordon trade or a Capella trade that would fit really well with the Rockets? And I should say that that Gordon and or and or Capella would fit really well with the other team. I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm having a hard time coming up with the scenario, and and quite frankly, I'm trying not to let the the bitter taste of the of the Warriors series overly color my judgment on Clint Capella right now because it was a horrible series for him. Like just god awful. Yes. However, it was. this is the same guy 
This is the same guy who dominated Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert in the playoffs last season. Yeah, and you're going to need him against AD and some of these other guys. Right. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. you need him against Anthony Davis now that the, the Lakers are probably going to factor into the Western Conference playoff race uh, and, and just the, the, the Western Conference title. Um, he was admittedly very ill in the first part of the playoffs. I don't know how much that uh, affected his play in the Warriors series. Um, but some of the element of, oh, my God, he got played, he outplayed by uh, Kevon Looney, which at the time was shocking. But then, as you saw, Looney played throughout the rest of the playoffs. He was on an incredible high. I thought he made himself a bunch of money this summer. I, I just think that, that fans should not be so negative on Capella and want to get rid of him so easily just because of that last series. I think he's a lot better than people are remembering right now. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, I was asking myself, because I heard the same kind of rumors and things about Atlanta and other things, like, would I trade Clint Capella for the eighth pick in this draft? I, I don't know that I would. I, I think he's a really good young player on a very reasonable long-term deal Go look at what all the other above-average starting centers in the NBA are making. It's insane money. And he's on, I think, a relatively reasonable contract for a long period of time. And I think he's a very positive trade asset. But with this team in title contention mode, I don't think they're moving him unless it's to get a better player. And I don't know how many of those trades are out there. Hmm. You know, I uh, as far as acquiring picks in the draft, um, obviously we're looking at three-way deals. I think, um, you know, if you're able to make a deal, uh, you know, getting a pick from Atlanta or getting picks from Boston or something along those lines, you know, that could maybe make sense. Um, a player that comes to mind to me is a guy who was here a while back, and that's Robert Covington. Um, I don't know if Minnesota is going to necessarily move him, but the, but uh, Daryl has sort of that history. He and Sam were Sam Hinkie were pretty close. They made a few trades after he was traded to, or after he moved on to Philadelphia. Now with Gerson uh, running Minnesota, and those two teams, I, I'm not sure how Gerson views Minnesota this year. If he if his view is we're rebuilding for the next you know couple of years, build a team around Carl Anthony Towns, or are we saying hey we're going we're, we're going for the playoffs this year? Um, so I'm not 100% sure on that, but I do think that could be a situation where, um, you know, th- those two teams have different goals and that could sync up, you know, if the Rockets are able to acquire a pick or picks to send to, to, um, Minnesota and that type of a deal. Um, Covington certainly would be a guy that could fit here. I'm not sure if, I, <laughs> if I'd give up Eric Gordon for, you know, uh, across the board for Covington, given what Gordon does provide this team. I think anytime I look at trading Gordon or trading Capella, it's what do I have in my back pocket that you that everyone else doesn't know about that can fill the role of a Capella or a Gordon. You know, can I get DeAndre Jordan? And I understand he's not the same exact type of player. Maybe he's better than Capella in some ways, not as good as Capella in others. Um, you know, or Robin Lopez, or fill that center role in some other way. And with Gordon, do I say, hey, Austin Rivers? You know, if I'm using that to uh, you know, I'm using my MLE or something to, to bring in rivers or hoping that a house can fill that role. It's what you have in your back pocket uh, to fill that role by trading those guys for something else that fits better. I do think Covington um, would be a great addition here. Otto Porter, I think, is, is overpaid, but he would be a great addition here. Um, but I just have a hard time seeing who exactly it could be their their trade target. Baysmore's a guy I've thrown out there, uh, you know, we've talked about before. Um, I, I think he might be interesting, but it's just I have a hard time seeing who that they could get that, uh, you know, f- by giving up Capella or giving up Gordon, and, and it, yet it makes the Rockets a better team. It's hard to see right now what's out there on the landscape. Yeah, now, now where I've been focusing more of my attention on healthily as usual uh, it has not been on necessarily moving the starting five because especially with the Warriors injury situation next year, I actually think if they try out the same starting five, they're going to be in really good shape. I think we have more, the Rocks have one of the best starting fives out there, especially again, if the Warriors are losing two of their starting five for most or all next season. Um, I'm actually thinking of some 
moves on the fringe and where do you exploit not necessarily market inefficiencies, but exploit um, desperation from other teams. And one of those inflection points may be teams desperate to clear out as much cap room as they can. And here's where the Rockets could take advantage of their many small traded player exceptions that they've gotten from all the salary dumps and similar deals they've done. Um, you know, they have, they have about two or three decent-sized ones from the Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris, and Ryan Anderson trades that they could use. And there are going to be guys that teams are going to try to waive or try to dump on other teams just to get just a little bit more cap room to go out and get that second max guy or open up one max slot. Um, you know, most notably, I think uh, Woj has been tweeting about the Lakers attempting to expand the Anthony Davis trade to start dumping uh, Mo Wagner, uh, Isaac Bonga, and Jamario Jones because they could restructure the trade that would give them max cap room for a third guy. And, you know, a guy like Isaac Bonga, he's a 19 year old, six foot nine point guard. Um, you know, a guy who could play the one, the two, or the three. Um, you know, maybe he's nothing, but that would be a decent developmental guy. I'd love to stash him with the Vipers and see what he can do. You know, he could turn out to be, you know, a, a nice young player, only 19 years old. Could you get him for nothing from the Lakers? Could you get the Lakers to? give you a second round pick to take him. If that's something that, 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 you know, could the Rockets exploit that situation? Another, another situation, even though his deal's non guarantee, um, could you ask the, the Brooklyn Nets to give you Shabazz Napier? Cause he's on a minimum, but not really a minimum contract. And they're probably desperately trying to open up double max cap room to get that second guy. If, if Kyrie is definitely going there, we don't know for sure, but it looks that way. If they need to get that second max room, you know, would they be dumping, would they be waving Napier? Could the Rockets say, look, we'll take him into our traded player exception and you don't have to waive him. Uh, we'll give you a couple bucks for him or something. And, you know, Napier would be a really high quality third point guard. You know, these are the types of things they, they should be exploring where you could either extract an asset for taking a very small salary or get a decent player who would have been got, who, who would have been waived anyway. And, and even if the player gets waived, the Rockets can use their TPEs, the trade player exceptions, to claim players off waivers. So if a Napier gets waived, they could claim them off waivers with, this, uh, with the TPE. So these are the types of little things that I'm thinking about. That, that I'm sure the Rockets are thinking about as well, where don't be surprised if uh, you have one of those, huh, yeah. uh, that's, that's a decent guy they got. So, yeah. You know, I, I'm on the lookout for those. Interesting. You know, I um, uh, Chris White, who's a deuce on the, the forums, uh, he's absolutely a great follow, by the way, on Twitter, if you don't follow him already. Um, but he uh, he had mentioned Rashawn Holmes, and I, th- I hadn't really studied him enough. I think that's a guy... Uh, you know, right now with Phoenix, I believe he's a free agent, um, is pretty interesting as far as a backup center or a, a center who could maybe even step into a, a more significant role. Uh, you know, seeking that sort of Kyle Lowry type acquisition where when the, you know, Daryl famously p- uh, picked up Kyle Lowry in a three team trade from Memphis, sort of buried, uh, um, you know, there with the Grizzlies and ended up having a, a really solid career with the, the Rockets and now, of course, an NBA champion with the Raptors. But, um, you know, he's a guy uh, that's kind of in- intriguing to me as well now. Uh, Ed Davis seems to be too popular at this point, but I've always thought he would be a really good addition uh, with the Rockets. Very popular um, with fans right now is Jamichael Green, who I think could be uh, another solid addition. That's going to, if you're lucky, you'd be able to get him with your taxpayer MLE, but he's probably going to get more than that. I would say probably an MLE offer from some team. Um, but yeah, I, you know, any, of course, any MLE type addition that you get is going to probably cost you Austin Rivers unless you're able to convince him to take a, you know, dirt cheap deal and then I'm assuming get early bird rights. Is that correct after two years? Yes, yeah. With Rivers, you can either use the taxpayer mid level, uh, you could sign him with non bird rights, which pay him about 2.6, which is 
way lower than he can get on the open market. Of but course, yeah, yeah, if you sign him, if, yeah, exactly. If you sign him to a, to a one year deal or a one plus one with a player option next summer, he could hit free agency again. But the Rockets have early bird rights, and they could basically pay him about by then probably about nine ten million a year with early bird rights. Okay. Well, let me just say, you know, we've just thrown some names out there, but I think in sort of wrapping this podcast up, I, th- I think fans, if I'm gauging right, are going to be are going to be disappointed. Maybe they shouldn't be, but they are going to be disappointed if all the Rockets do is add a taxpayer MLE guy. I think, um, you know, they're probably going to lose free. If they added somebody outside of their own organization for that MLE, um, they're probably going to, well, potentially lose Rivers, probably lose Fareed. Maybe lose house. Uh, we'll see. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if fans are going to look that as a as a big win. But yet, any trade that they're doing is probably going to require any significant trade is going to require one of their starters uh, in Gordon or Capella. I would think, unless of course, and this question is brought in um, from M.K. Bauer, uh, and you feel free to address it. Is what could they do with Sergio? Ne- never heard of him. Right. Okay. Never heard <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, but I mean, you know, MK. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, I I don't know if they're even able to flip that for a second round pick or whatever. Who knows at this point? But I, you know, it's just hard to see them making any trades without trading their star, any significant trade without trading their starter, uh, a starter. And if they're keeping their starting crew, then you're probably looking at just little tweaks here and there and, and adding a, a taxpayer MLE guy. So. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think fans, though, are gearing up for disappointment because every year we hear about the Rockets you know, getting involved, going after that number three pick, number two pick, number four pick, uh, and you know, going after all these other deals and getting close. And it's not fair because that's what the Rockets need to be doing every single year, but people are just sick of it. They want to see them make um, that splash. And of course, they did it just two years ago, adding Chris Paul. So it's not like they've been unsuccessful every single year. Um, but I think uh, now one thing I will say, Dave, is that if, if you know, I know a, a common refrain uh, complaint about, you know, the Brandon Knight trade was, well, that was your last big chunk of, of non-essential salary filler to make that kind of big trade. Cause I think MK is right that the way the team is looking for next season, any kind of big money trade you want to make, you have to send out one of your starters. So one possibility exists where you could create kind of that filler, uh, albeit not a high, not an attractive asset, is you have full bird rights on Iman Shumpert. And I'm not saying to give the guy the max or anything, but you can either sign and trade him, and I think you give him up to about thir- a little more than $13 million. Uh, It'd have to be a three-year deal, but you only have to guarantee the first year. So basically $13 million, uh of salary to use in a signing trade deal, you'd have to throw a bunch of picks in to get the team to want to swallow that Shumpert salary. But you could use him in a signing trade. And again, the other team would have to be able to withstand the hard cap. And things and like so that. it doesn't hard cap oh. the Rockets if they sign and trade him. No. Like, oh, okay, all right. Correct. It, 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 if you sign and trade the player away, you are not hard cap. It is the team receiving the sign and traded player. And it's hard cap. Okay, and can they so sign? They can't sign and trade. Can they sign and trade him and say add Nene, or is that not possible? No, they, they, they can aggregate. They can aggregate. They can put add Nene for for matches. So if you wanted to do like Shumpert in a sign and trade Nene and Hartenstein for Jimmy Butler, you could. But man, you have to be throwing a lot of picks in with that to get Philly to to even sniff at that offer. Um, but it's still. The math works, and uh, but you know, saving that, you could also resign Shumpert to, you know, you, you don't have to pay him the, the the veterans minimum. You can give him a decent sized contract, and you can go over the cap to do that because you have full bird rights. And then, come December, January, February, you can use him with other salaries to make a trade if there's a, you know. A, mid-sized salary guy out there in February, you want to trade for him, at least you'd have the salary. Gotcha. So don't be surprised if they give Shumpert a decent-sized deal. He may walk, you know, who knows, but if they give him a decent-sized deal, number one, I think he's, hopefully he'll be a good fit on this team, but if not, then you have at least some salary balance. Okay. 
Well, we can wrap it up there, man. We'll we'll come back after the draft. Obviously, it's it's hard to. I mean, we love to talk about the draft going in. It's hard to talk about the draft when the Rockets don't have a pick in in either round. Um, but I still am just fascinated, intrigued. I want to see what the Pelicans do, the Hawks, the Celtics, uh, the Sixers. I mean, there's there's some teams here with picks that I'm uh, I'm interested to see unfold, and of course, all the things that happen, um, you know, with the NBA and the offseason and the trades. It's it's kind of like Christmas for NBA fans. So. I'm excited about it. We'll come back after the draft uh, and and talk about it. Um, and I'm and just the way things are going, David. We'll have like three or four new things to talk about as far as uh, issues with the Rockets. Just a few days after the draft, just given the way uh, this this whole offseason has unfolded. So, thanks for doing this, man. And like I said, we'll do it again after the draft. Sounds great. I'm uh, ordering the pizzas now. <laughs> thanks, buddy. See you then. Take care.